and turning in God's Word to John chapter 16. I'm going to be reading verses 12 to 15. We are at the very end of Jesus' farewell discourse. That is the last little speech, the last words of encouragement, comfort, instruction that He gives before we get to His final prayer in the crucifixion. John 16, verse 12, Jesus says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all the truth. For He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify Me, for He will take what is Mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is Mine. Therefore, I said that He will take what is Mine and declare it to you. Now, Lord Jesus, would You indeed, by Your Spirit, the Spirit of Truth, we're even learning about this morning, would You, would you take those things that You intend for us and by the Spirit's hand deliver them into our ears? Would you awaken us? Don't let us, don't let us be lazy hearers, but that we would be actively engaged with the Word so that this, your truth, would shape our minds, <clears throat> would shape our hearts, our thoughts, our feelings, all, so that we are made ready to respond with faith and obedience to everything that you say. We pray this in your magnificent name. Amen. Well, Christianity is indeed a faith that is built <clears throat> upon truth. It concerns true things that really happened in time and space. And so it's not about feelings. Truth is not a matter of what you feel. And boy, do we need to understand that today. It's a matter of what is. And Christianity is about truth. There are things that you must know and understand and believe, in fact, in order to even be a Christian. Paul makes that clear in many places. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 3, he says, I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins. He means in time and space He really did this in accordance with the Scriptures. That He was buried, that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, that He appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, and then He appeared to more than 500 brothers <clears throat> at one time. True things. Things that happened. And so it is imperative that these apostles upon whom Jesus is about to build His church understand this truth. They themselves must know it and love it and be thoroughly convinced of it so they can pass it on to us so that we can know it and love it and be thoroughly convinced of it ourselves as we build our new lives upon Christ. Now that's the subject of our passage this morning. To, to understand what Jesus has done in sending the Spirit of truth so that, first of all, the apostles can have this truth. And then second, we also, through them, can know and rely upon the truth. So let's begin there, here in verse 12. And here's the first thing that I want you to see. 
I want you to see that Jesus knows our limited capacity to understand truth and therefore has made provision for us. Look at verse 12. He says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. I've got a lot I want to tell you, but you're not ready for it. And think about that. Think about what is going on here in Jesus' speech to them. Jesus has been pouring truth into these men nonstop since chapter 13, verse 12. He's told them again and again who He is, why He's come, and what's about to happen to them. He's warned them about the trouble that's coming, the persecution and the hostility they're going to face. And it's begun to take a toll on them. Their minds are turned to mush. They're tired. Their brains are full. I remember the first couple of camp meetings that we had years ago. And um, we had like 13 or 14 speakers over a single weekend. I mean, mind blown. Uh, Charles Leiter, a dear brother, even said, he was one of our speakers, and he even said, don't you think this is a bit much? How much more so here with these men where, where Christ is speaking heavenly truth into the minds of these mortal men, people just like you and me? And in a very real sense, that's part of the problem. We who live in this world of lies are strangers to the truth. It's like a foreign language to us. And sin has, has so clouded our minds and stuffed our ears that it's really hard for us to perceive truth. And, and Jesus here is indicating even an effort on His part to get this truth into them. And not only that, but because of our flesh, uh, our natural dullness and weariness, we all have a limited capacity to take in truth. Uh, there's only so much you can take in at a single time. It's why the sermon can't go along for two hours. Aren't you glad I know that? But here's the thing I want you to see. Jesus knows our weakness. He understands the limits of our capacity. Listen to Him again here in verse 12. He says, I still have so many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. I've got so much more I need to give to you, but your load is full. And the, the word he uses there pictures a basket loaded down with rocks. It's, it's gotten so heavy you can't even lift it. You ever felt that way? You ever felt that way about the, the Christian faith? Um, oh, 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 there's so much to understand. There's so much to learn. So much to take in. So many things to begin to put into practice. I, I don't think I'm ever going to get it all. Have you ever felt that way? Well, if you've ever felt that way, take heart. Jesus knows your weakness. He understands your limits. And He's made provision for you. And I know at times, especially for those of you who are younger believers, it, it just feels like it's going to overwhelm you, like you're, like you're never really going to get it. But again, listen, take heart. Your Lord knows your limits, and He is so kind. Yes, He'll push you to the very edge of those limits time and time again, but never beyond what He knows you can take. And here's the really wonderful thing. He accommodates Himself 
to our weaknesses. He kneels down, as it were, like you would with a little child, and He, he speaks in ways that you can understand. The Scriptures themselves are like that. Uh, John Calvin said the Scriptures are God's baby talk. He is patient with our little minds because His goal for you is that you would know Him. And so believing, friend, expect Jesus to do this for you. Expect Him to deal tenderly with your soul as He works to make Himself known to you. Kind of the banner verse for that is Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30 Jesus has come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden, that big basket of rocks, my burden is light. Okay, so what then is the provision Jesus has made for our little minds that we can begin to take Him in and know His truth and live in light of that truth? Well, here's the second thing this morning. Jesus has sent the Spirit to lead us into an ongoing encounter with Him in His truth. Again, verse 12 down to 13, I still have so many things to say to you, but you can't hear them now. You can't bear them now. But when the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all the truth. For He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will declare to you the things that are to come. Remember this. Remember what's going on. Jesus is leaving, but He promises the Spirit is coming. Jesus is leaving, but the Spirit is coming. And when the Spirit comes, Jesus says, He will lead you into all the truth. He will, he will pick up where I left off in this conversation and He'll make sure you get everything that I have to give you. And so let's look at several things in light of that. First, what does Jesus promise? Jesus promises that we will have a personal guide into this truth, even after He's gone. And I say personal because once again, Jesus uses a pronoun here that emphasizes the personal nature of the Holy Spirit. We've seen this a couple of times before, but where the Greek would expect a neuter pronoun, it, to go with the neuter noun, spirit, John, as he reports Jesus' words, violates that grammar by using a personal pronoun rightly translated, he. More than that even, this pronoun John uses, echinos, uh, actually means that one over there. That person I'm talking about. It's the kind of word that you would use for a person, not a thing, a force, or a power. As we've been making our way through John, I've pointed this out a few times, and I've wondered if anyone is out there thinking, okay, okay, we get it. Why are you making a big deal about that? Well, it's because John makes a big deal about that. Because John wants us to be sure and understand that, that, that we're dealing with the Holy Spirit. We're dealing with a person, a real person. The one who is the very person of God. Just as the Father is a person who can be known, and the Son is a person we can know, so also the Spirit is a person, a somebody. He comes personally into our lives at conversion to lead us, to help us, and specifically here, to help us come into a personal knowledge and experience of the truth that is in Christ. And so notice, second of all then, that He is called here the Spirit of Truth. Not for the first time. The Spirit of Truth. Why? Because truth is His very nature. Truth is His principal business. 
And so just as Jesus is the truth incarnate, right? John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the truth. Jesus is the truth in living flesh. So the Spirit is the one who now brings us into the encounter with that truth that is in Jesus. And so because of our weakness... Jesus sends the Spirit to come and lead us into that truth that we need. So you see this connection. Make sure you do. When the Spirit of truth comes, what's He going to do? He's going to guide you into all the truth that you need. So that third, we see that He, the Spirit of truth, will be our personal guide to the truth. Look again at verse 13. He says, When the Spirit of truth comes... He will guide you into all the truth. He will guide you. That word guide means to to lead you along a path. It pictures someone coming and taking you by the hand and leading you along the way to your destination. It is a very personal action. He doesn't just send you out to discover truth for yourself. He, He guides you into it. He leads you along the way until He gets you there personally. The Spirit becomes our constant companion into the truth. There's a really great picture of this in Psalm 143, verse 10, where the psalmist says, "...teach me to do Your will, for You are my God." Let your good spirit lead me on level ground. That's him. That's what he does. He leads us, and our part? Well, our part is to follow. Galatians 5.25, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us follow where he leads. Let us go where he's taking us. And where does he go? Where does he lead us? Well, notice again what Jesus says, into All truth. Meaning, all the truth we need, all the truth Jesus has intended for us, everything Jesus has promised us that we need to know. Now, this doesn't mean all the truth there is in the universe. It doesn't even mean all the truth that God knows. I mean, that would be impossible, wouldn't it? Uh, The mind of God is infinitely infinite Our minds are and always will be infinitesimally small compared to His. And so this doesn't mean we'll know all the truth there is to know about astrophysics or uh, nuclear chemistry or quantum mechanics or, or even future events. But it means we will be led step by step along the way to a full and complete knowledge and experience of Christ. And so there's a, there's a dynamism here. There, there's a path that we are walking as He leads us. He's going to take us step by step, day by day, into the fullness of truth that will fill us with all the knowledge of Christ we need to live our lives to the praise of His glory. He is going to get us there. Christian, He's going to get you there as you walk in step with Him. I remember when I was a new Christian, I just felt like I didn't know anything. I couldn't get it. I didn't see it. And, you know, I, I, I met and was dating Amy who grew up in church and she just knew all this. I mean, she knew who Hezekiah was and all this stuff. And I felt like I just, I'm never going to get it. And I, it took several years to realize, no, he's going to get me there. I just got to be patient in waiting upon and following him as he does what he promised to do. Fourth thing he tells us is that the truth the Spirit guides us into is the truth we need to know and walk with Christ. 
Halfway through verse 13, again he says, He will guide you into all the truth, for He will not speak of His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak. He'll declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify Me. See, that's the thing about this truth. It is a very Christ-centered truth. It's not just random facts and trivial knowledge we're talking about. It's the truth we need about Christ. And listen to me. In a world of lies and confusion about everything, we need the Spirit of truth leading us daily in this truth. We need Him guiding us deeper and deeper into a real knowledge and experience of the reality of our Savior. You need this. Okay, so where does it start? How does it start? Well, we'll notice as Jesus is speaking here, it doesn't really start with us as individuals. We need to be clear about this. Think with me. To whom is Jesus saying these words originally? Who is standing there around Him as He makes this promise? Well, it's the apostles, isn't it? It's Peter, James, John, and the rest. So, so this is, and we have to understand this, this is first of all a word to them. And, and that is significant. Um, we need to understand the truth that you need day after day doesn't come to you dropped out of heaven on a moonbeam into your heart so that you can wake up and say, Oh wow, i got the truth in here. No, no, no. That is the beginning of every kind of heresy. Those who look down within themselves seeking truth are ultimately going to be self-deceived. Don't trust your heart to lead you to the truth. That's why He's giving you the Spirit. Because your heart's a liar. No, the first thing Christ promises here is that the Holy Spirit will come and lead who? These apostles into the truth that we need. He will give to them, these men, the truth so they can write it down and pass it on to us in the objective Word of God. In a Word that is outside of us. In a Word that comes from somewhere else, ultimately God, to us. 2 Peter 2, uh, 2 Peter 1, verse 21 says, No prophecy was ever produced by the will of man. No foundational Word of God was ever belched up out of the innards of a human being, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And so the first, the first promise here is that the Holy Spirit will carry these men along so that every word they remember and write down will indeed be the objective Word of God to us. So that we'll have confidence as 2 Timothy 3.16 says that all Scripture is breathed out by God profitable for teaching, reproof, correcting, and training in righteousness, that the man of God, that the woman of God, that the child of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And that's, that's foundational. And so we begin with an absolutely true and reliable word from God safeguarded to us by the Holy Spirit through the apostles and prophets. That's the word Jesus will be talking about in His prayer in John 17 as He he, he asks the Father for us and He says in John 17, 17, Sanctify them by the Word. Your Word is truth. And so the Spirit of truth 
breathes His truth into the lives of the apostles so they will know that truth and be able to pass it along to us. Starts with them, and then where does it encounter us? Where does it begin to enter our lives? It begins to enter our lives then as that Word is brought to us by means of the same Holy Spirit. See, here's where the promise touches our lives. The same Spirit who worked in them and guided them to know and write down the truth for us now works in us to guide us in an encounter with that truth that is contained within the pages of Scripture. The same Spirit who inspired them illumines us. And that's an important distinction. Inspiration is God speaking and breathing His Word. He did that for them. He's not doing that for you. Illumination is God taking that Word which He inspired them to write down and illumining, firing the mind, awakening the soul, causing you to see and understand. And so He gives light to our minds as we read and contemplate His Word. He who led them to write it down leads us to read it and then gives us power to understand it so that we can know Christ in the same way they did. And yes, this is a lifelong process as He leads us alone. Psalm 119, verse 105 says, Your Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Step by step, the Spirit takes it and leads us into the ever-deepening knowledge of God in Christ. Which is the fifth thing here. Fifth, then, the Spirit's work is to communicate the things of Christ to us so that we can know and walk with Him. Again, verse 13. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all the truth, for He will not speak of His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will declare to you the things that are to come. And so the focus of the Spirit's attention is always on Christ. Verse 14, He says, He will glorify Me. Meaning, He does not speak on His own. Literally what that says is, He does not speak from Himself. The Spirit's not out there doing His own thing. He's not coming up with new stuff. Now that's important to know because there is a faulty idea today in so-called progressive Christianity that, that the Spirit is now coming and leading us into new truths for a new day. Uh, there is this this faulty idea that He he will lead the church uh, now into new understandings of, for instance, sexuality. That, you know, we weren't ready to understand this back then, but now the Spirit is coming along and, and he's, he's teaching us differently from what the Scripture said earlier. Either they got it wrong or we misunderstood, but the Spirit's now doing this, this new thing. And they'll, they'll misuse this verse to try to make that point. But let me just say clearly, no, actually He's not. He didn't, He won't, He never does. Any spirit who leads people away from the truth, once for all delivered to the saints, is not the spirit of Christ. He is another kind of spirit entirely. The spirit of truth does not come up with new stuff on His own apart from the Father and apart from the Son. What does He do? He declares, Jesus says, only what He's heard the Father speak and only what He's heard the Son speak. There's a continuity here. And this continuity is anchored 
back to the reality of the Trinity. We cannot forget the Trinity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit always agreeing together concerning what the truth is. Remember Jesus said the same thing about Himself earlier. Uh, he, he, he said that He would speak nothing except what was given to Him by the Father. That's John 12, verse 49. He says, For I have not spoken on My own authority, literally from Myself, but the Father who sent Me has Himself given Me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. Every time Jesus speaks, He's taking the truth the Father gave Him and He's passing it on to us. In the same way, Every time the Spirit speaks, He's taking the truth the Son gave Him and He's passing it on to us. And the point is, there's a complete agreement in what the Father says and what the Son says and what the Spirit says. That's why the Spirit will never say something that contradicts what the Father said in the Old Testament or the Son says in the New Testament. Because truth itself, just like the Trinity, is a unity. It comes to us from the Father, through the Son, by the Spirit, within the Word. And so Jesus says, the Spirit will declare the truth to you, the truth that He got from me, that I got from the Father, the truth that flows out of the, out, out of the unity and diversity of the Trinity. And He says, He will speak of things yet to come. Now what does that mean? Very last line in verse 13, He'll declare to you the things that are to come. I think the natural thing at that point is to assume He must be talking about prophecy. Uh, the book of Revelation, for instance. And certainly, it would include that. right? I mean, John himself will be taken away in the Spirit and be given a vision about things yet to come. So we, we know He includes that. But I think we need to understand there's more to it than just that. Because we're talking about the ongoing dynamic of the Spirit's work in the life of the disciples and in our lives as we follow in their steps. Literally what this says is, He will disclose to you the coming things. Meaning all those things that are about to come down the pike. As history moves along from this point, the church is going to face new challenges and threats along the way, and the Spirit will still be with them, as Jesus promised, doing His work among them, doing His work among us. He'll continue taking the truth of Christ contained in the inerrant Scriptures and helping us understand how that truth applies to these new challenges. In other words, the Spirit is never caught off guard by the things that are happening. He's never at a loss for what we need to do. He's always moving and working and speaking through the faithful Word to guide us to the truth that we must understand. To help us see how His unchanging Word prepares us and strengthens us to stand firm in every situation. He is never at a loss, and we need to know that. Nor does His Word ever come up short in giving what we need to understand to stand firm in Christ. Remember, Ephesians calls the Bible, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Meaning that it is an all-sufficient Word. It's a powerful Word. In the hands of the Spirit, it gives everything we need to know and walk with Christ, to cut away the flesh, to pierce the darkness, and to walk firmly with Him forever. And that means, here's the third thing this morning, that means then that the Spirit's mission, as Jesus sends Him, the Spirit's mission 
is to glorify Christ by unfolding His truth to us. Look at verses 14 and 15. He says, He, the Spirit, will glorify Me. How? Because He will take what is Mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is Mine. Therefore I said, He will take what is Mine and He'll declare it to you. Three quick things. First, He, and again it's that one, that person who is the Spirit, He has a mission. And what is it? Jesus says, to glorify Me. Now think of that. The Spirit's whole purpose in coming is to shine the light of attention on Jesus. To make Him known to us. This is what the Spirit wants. He wants you to know Christ. He wants you, dear Christian, or even unbeliever as He's drawing you to Himself, He wants you to see Christ for who He is and love Him for what He's done and walk with Him and fellowship with Him and trust Him with with, with faith-filled obedience. That is the Spirit's passion. That's what He's doing. The, the, The Spirit is not interested one bit in calling attention to Himself. He doesn't stand there and say, Hey, look at me! Look what I can do! Look at these gifts! Isn't that cool? No, no, always and ever He is pointing you to Christ. That's why, now, and, and, and make this connection, that's why you see some celebrity preacher out there making much of himself, some super apostle strutting around on the stage before a cheering and adoring crowd, making such noise about the things he can do and the spiritual power he's been given and the gifts that he now controls and will give to you for a little donation. Never speaking about Christ, not showing you who Jesus is, but showing you who he is. You see that man, here's something you know for absolute certainty. The Spirit that He has is not the Spirit of Christ. The Spirit He has is not the Spirit of truth. It's a Spirit of a lie and deception. Because the Spirit of Jesus always seeks to put the focus of attention, your attention, fully and completely upon Christ. That's a good test to keep in mind. Any supposed Spirit-filled person who puts your attention somewhere other than Christ is led by a spirit of deception. You just have to know that. You just have to understand that He will glorify Me, Jesus says. He'll tell you all about Me. He'll lead you into a deeper and deeper relationship with Me. Okay, so how does He do that? That's the second thing. Listen carefully. This is good. He, the Spirit, will draw out of the infinite well of Christ's riches and bring it to you. He draws out of the infinite well that is Christ's own wealth of grace and mercy and truth and He brings it to us who are in relationship with Him. Look at the language in verse 14. He will glorify Me. How? For He will take what is Mine and He will declare it to you. Literally what this says is He will take out of what is Mine. He will reach into what is Mine and He'll bring it to you. He'll gather out of what belongs to Me and He'll bring it out so that you can have it. And He's picturing here, we see the Spirit drawing out the water of life from the infinite well of Christ and pouring it out upon us as we trust Him. We see Him reaching down into this bountiful treasure of Christ's immeasurable grace and bringing it out to us so that we can see it and know it and benefit from it. 
Uh, the Spirit Himself is our living link to Christ and all the rich wealth of grace and mercy that He promises to us. It comes to us by means of the Spirit's working. I mean, do you understand? Christ Himself is the treasure. Right, Colossians 2, verse 3, that we'll probably hear next week, says that Christ is the one in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Every treasure that you could ever desire. All the love that you could ever need to fill your heart. All the truth we crave to satisfy our souls. All the depths of mercy and forgiveness to wash away our sins and give us confidence that we are indeed forgiven. All of that is found in one place, one treasure chest, and it's Christ. And it is the Spirit's work to make all of that known to us, to declare it to us, to bring it to us, not just known in our minds as facts we can repeat, but treasured in our hearts as truth we rely on and live on and bask in and rejoice in. Truth that sustains us. Isaiah 45 verse 3 paints this picture. God speaking says, I will give you the treasures of darkness, meaning that those that are hidden from the eyes of men, and the hordes in secret places, that you may know that it is I, the Lord, the God of Israel, who call you by name. <laughs> I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to bring it to you. And here is the means. So how does He do it? Again, He does it through the Spirit who mines the rich treasure of God's Word and uses it to point us to Christ, applies that truth found in the Word concerning Christ to lead us deeper and deeper into lives that are brought in union with Christ. To take us to the place where we truly do know Him. First Peter, no sorry, Second Peter. Second Peter 1, 3 and 4. Some of you claim this is a favorite verse, I think. says this, His divine power speaking here about all of His gifts, all of His power, all of His sovereignty coming to us through Jesus. His divine power has granted us all things that pertain to life, all things that we need for life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us into His own glory and excellence, by which He has granted us, given us a gift to us, His precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, that you may have your hands and feet and head and body washed in and plunged into this depth of mercy and this treasure that is Christ, and it totally forms and shapes you into His likeness. The Spirit leads us to those treasured promises so that our heart will be fixed on Christ as our true treasure. Dear one, is your heart fixed upon Christ as your treasure? That's the Spirit doing that. Are you drawing from the Spirit all these vast riches of knowing Christ? For, and here's the third thing, He shows us as He comes into our lives, as He works these things in our lives, He shows us how deep this treasure is as it brings us into fellowship with God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 15. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore I said that He will take what is mine and declare it to you. Now, test. Do you see the Trinity there? Make sure you do. Don't miss it. It's very important. Look at verse 15 again. All that the 
Father has. There's the Father. Is mine, Jesus says. So there's the Son. Therefore I said, He, the Spirit, will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Son has is made over to you. He got it from the Father. He delivers it through the Spirit. That The Son takes the infinite wealth of the Father entrusted to Him and hands it off to the Spirit to bring it to us. And so this rich treasure of immeasurable grace in the knowledge of Christ ultimately leads us back into the arms of the Father. And we look at this and we, we can trace everything we're being given right back into the heart of God who loves us and wants us to know Him. Right? Understand this. Take this in. Isn't this what Jesus says? He says, all that the Father has is mine. All of it. All of it's been entrusted to me. Likewise, back in John 3.35, He said, the Father loves the Son and has given all things into His hands. And now, all that God the Father has, every treasure of grace and mercy and love and salvation has been given to Christ. And Christ now hands it over to the Spirit so that He can give it to us. So that we might know God in His fullness. That we might know Christ uh, through the faithful work of the Spirit of truth as He opens God's Word to us and draws us deeper and deeper into a walk with Him through that Word. Oh, dear one, that's the rich life of grace you're being invited to share in Christ. It's why you must trust in the Spirit to open God's Word to you. You say, I don't feel worthy. You don't know my sins. He's not doing this because you've earned it. He's doing it because He's generous and gracious and He knows your weakness and He sins. He died to take care of those sins and He sent the Spirit to bring this truth to you, us who do not deserve it because He wants us to know and walk with Him. He wants us who sinned and fell short to be standing in grace undeserved, exalting in God for His faithfulness, knowing Him more deeply, being shaped by that knowledge into a life that glorifies Him. Dear one, listen. In a world of lies and deceptions, brokenness and confusion, there is truth for us to take hold of that anchors our souls in reality. More than that, there is a truth that takes hold of us as the Spirit draws you deeper and deeper into the knowledge of God through Christ day after day. This is His ongoing gift to those who walk with Him, who look to Him in faith. But it begins by turning to Christ in faith for what He's done so that you may know that you've been forgiven and washed and claimed as His own. It begins with the Gospel. Christ died for sins, rose on the third day, is seated at the Father's right hand, and issues the promise, come to Me and I will give you this life. And then... Having that life as a gift, we continue to follow Him in the Spirit as He draws you deeper and deeper into that grace through His Word. Are you walking with Him through that Word? Has your heart been awakened to make that a priority? I don't mean that you're a master at it. I don't mean you know that you're so absolutely consistent you never blow it. Because again, you're not earning this favor, you're receiving it. The time in the Word is not something you do to earn 
getting from him. It's the means, it's the spigot, it's the, it's, 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 it's the open fountain where you go to satisfy your thirsty soul because the Spirit sends that life-giving water into you from the deep riches of Christ Himself as you continue to come to Him. Okay, so how should we apply this? It's time to do that. First of all, dear one, look to Christ by faith. Stop trying to earn it. Stop trying to feel something before you can get it. Just come to Him and believe the promise. Come and take Him at His Word. Believe Him for what He said He would do. And then, and then yield to Him. Be led by Him deeper and deeper into the truth which is Christ through the Word. Let that truth about Christ shape your life. Let it change your mind. This world's deceptions are being beamed into your brain every moment through, through, through television, through movies, through radio, through, through, through songs in your, in your earbuds, through, through Instagram and, and, and Facebook and, all, and Twitter and all these things beaming a view of the world to you that is false and deceptive. And you need an antidote to that. And the only antidote is the work of the Spirit uh, Showing you Christ, conforming you to Christ, enlivening you to, to know and love Christ. And so, dear one, make that your priority day by day. To sit at His feet, to hear His voice as He speaks, to let Him, the Spirit, guide you deeper and deeper into this truth that is Christ. Ask Him and He'll do it. You say, where do I start? Go home, get in your prayer closet and say, Lord, I need you to do this because I'm not doing it very well. Lord, I need you to show me the truth. I need you to let me see Jesus in His glory. And then trust Him that He will lead you as you follow day by day. Little by little. You know, you look between this week and next week, you may not see a difference. You look between this week and next year, the year after that and the year after that and the year after that, you'll see He's doing this work. Dear one, trust Him. Trust His Word. Trust His Spirit. Trust His promise. And act on that promise. Act, act on that faith. Father, these promises are so far-reaching, so rich, so deep, so clear. So would You shut the enemy's lying mouth as he whispers to us that this won't work for me? As he lies to us and says, You've tried that and it didn't work. All the things he belches out of hell that are just worthless. Would You cause us to quit listening to Him in every way and start listening to Christ in everything? Would You make us aware of the Spirit of truth and the work that He's doing so that we would actually depend upon Him? We would, we would treat Him as He is, a person, the person of God, leading us deeper into the truth of the Son of God that we may know and walk in faith with the Father. Would You cause that to happen? Would you let us just see a little light at the end of the tunnel, even this week, where, where, where we're, we're drawn one step closer to you and, and, and a little deeper in trust and a little, a little more confident in faith? Bring it about. Bring it about in our children, God. Bring those who are now blind and deaf to you. And by the same Spirit we talked about last week who does the convicting and the converting, we pray that you would awaken dead hearts to life, bring them into this new life of walking ever deeply with you from now into eternity because that's what you promised to do. And so we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.